There was a Jesus who died on a cross and then was resurrected from the dead. What does that mean to us? The one who did what was necessary so that people could have that opportunity to be reconciled with God. The relationship that God offers to us is one in which we are safe and secure together with Him. This is what we as a church are all about. This is why we are going to continue to try to get that message out and why we are not going to stand pat, put out a no vacancy sign, because this message is for everybody. Last week, we began a series that we are calling Love Leaves a Legacy. And we began by asking this question, how did we get here? Right here we are in 2023, and even what we're a part of right now called the church was something that began over 2,000 years ago. And we began by going all the way back to the beginning and asking the question, well, what is a church anyway? What was it really intended to be so that we can keep its heartbeat and its soul where it belongs at the center of what defines it and what expressions it creates? And so we went all the way back to the words of Jesus, and He was the one who predicted it, that He was going to build His, and He used the word ecclesia. What does that mean? We translated it as church. When He used that word, it was a gathering, a gathering that was for a specific purpose, and the purpose was a Jesus gathering. And it was founded more as a movement than something static. It had people, but it didn't have buildings and a lot of the other things that we think about when we think of church. And it was centered on who Jesus is, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we looked at how on opening day of the church, a man named Peter stands up and he basically shares that same message because Jesus predicted something that you would be my witnesses. Witnesses just talk about what they've seen and heard. And so Peter stands up at a festival called Pentecost and shares the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And some 3,000 people put their hope and their trust in him. And the church began. And today we're going to continue that story that's going to help us to understand, you know, yeah, we got here by passing down this legacy of faith that over a long period of time and even over long spaces of geography, here we are with that opportunity to keep the main thing, the main thing, the way that Jesus intended for it to be. And so I want to begin with this question here today. So what should we be asking God for? And as we go forward from where we are today, where is that? What is that direction? What does God have for us? And how can we ask God for the things that will lead us in the direction he has for us? Let's go back to Jesus' words shortly before he ascended into heaven. He turns to his disciples and he says, you will receive power. And power, wow, power for what? What kind of power? Power 
because you will be my witnesses. Power not the way that it's often utilized and wielded in this world, but power instead for that movement to keep the main thing, the main thing, for that gathering to be focused on who Jesus is. So after opening day, the story continues. And one day we're told in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John go up to the temple to pray. Now after Jesus, right, Jesus was the man when he was here. And then after he ascended to heaven, the church is born. Who are the core leaders at this point, and they are Peter and John. They're like leader 1A and 1B, and they're going up to the temple to pray because, remember, there are no buildings at this point, so probably that's where they often went to pray, and so they go where they usually went. And outside of the gate of the temple, there's a man who's begging, and the Bible says that he's lame. Now, we don't use that word in the same way that it's used in the Bible. You know, years ago, my, my kids would come home from school, and they'd go, my teacher's lame. And I would say, oh, they can't walk? No, they're lame, Dad. Because in the Bible, what lame means is they can't walk. And here's a guy who has been lame really since birth. And now he's over 40 years old. And he puts his hand out because he's trying to survive from one day to the next. And here come Peter and John, leader 1A and 1B. And he puts his hand out. And Peter says, hey, you know, we don't have any money for you, but we have something better. Really, what could be better than that for somebody who's lame? And Peter reaches down and says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the text actually tells us that he jumped up to his feet. And then he, they took him inside of the temple grounds, and he was jumping up and down. And imagine what it was like to be on your feet for the first time in your life. You bet he was jumping. And some of the people who were there to see all of this go, hey, isn't that Joe who, you, you know, has been begging outside, you know, of the gate here for decades? And all of a sudden now he's jumping around. What happened? And there's this commotion. And then the people gather together. And then Peter does the same thing that he did on opening day. He preaches a sermon. And, you know, pretty much he's got one sermon in the hopper because he preaches the exact same thing. And he talks about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it tells us that some 5,000 men now have become followers of Jesus. And that's a gender-specific term, and so a lot of commentators think that's 20,000 people total. Estimates are that's about 10% of the city of Jerusalem where all of this is happening at the time. And as you can imagine, that creates a bit of a stir. And you would think, hey, everybody's on board with this. I mean, people are getting healed and good stuff is happening. It even tells us that the church at this point enjoyed the favor of all the people. But now that changes. Because some of the religious leaders hear about this commotion and they bring Peter and John in before them and it's kind of the end of the day. And so they're put in jail overnight. And then the next day they're brought before these leaders and the leaders go, what are you doing, and by whose authority are you doing it? And then Peter does what he just can't help himself from doing. He preaches a sermon. And you know what sermon he preaches? The same sermon, you know, that he has preached before about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And here's part of his 
um, response to them. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom, and he couldn't help himself from saying this either, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, and this is a prediction from the Old Testament about what would be true about the, the Messiah one day, the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And you know what they want to do? They want to shut this thing down because this is now a threat. It's a threat to them. But they don't do it on this occasion. Why not? The next verse tells us. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Right? We can argue and debate a lot of things. And don't we all live now at a time where there's a lot of debate going on about a lot of things? Have you been on social media recently? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like it is never-ending. And there are opinions and there are lines drawn and there is a call for people to take one side or the other. And on this day, it would have been easy for these leaders to just say, you know what, you're talking about some philosophy or some spiritual truths. Well, we just reject that and you can't do that anymore. But here's a guy who has spent his entire life begging because he could not walk and now he is walking and they had nothing to say. And I think this helps us understand something that's really important, that we can argue about a lot of things. But you know what you can't argue against? You cannot argue against the power of a changed life. And I think it's a really important word even for what we're a part of because there's a lot going on in our culture, our society right now. And rather than join that fray a lot, eyes on the prize. What is the prize? The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And about God's power working in the lives of people to transform them, to change them. And we go, well, that happened 2,000 years ago. That's still happening. Yep, still happens today. Can I show you by way of video just one example of that? Somebody who's a part of this church where God showed up, and it is a life that has been changed. Check this out. In June 2022, I was attempting to find a venue for a 2023 conference that I would be directing. I had felt strongly that I should call a nearby church and request to rent the space. I called Washington Heights and eventually planned a tour with Shane. The entire time we toured the church, Shane kept saying that they really don't rent the space for events. I wondered why God had inspired me to set up this tour. I noticed that the church was involved in a humanitarian project. As we discussed it, I felt God's Spirit just flood my soul and was so touched by what the church was doing to build up and support the body of Christ. One month after the Washington Heights tour, in July of 2022, the Lord spoke to my heart, asking me to know Him more fully. Through His holy word, He showed me that He was one. 
that his holy Bible was reliable, true, and could be my foundation of truth, and that it was time for me to choose whom I would serve. I was floored. He was one. His son was his word in flesh. I wanted to tell everyone. Luckily, my husband's heart had been prepared for these truths, and we were more united than we had ever been. I began an eight-month deep dive into deconstructing doctrines and finding God's truth in the Bible and sharing what I found with my husband. I barely slept. I gained 40 pounds, was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, and in many ways I felt more confused and alone, knowing that if all of this was true, I would have to be willing to walk away from the church that both sides of my family had attended for four generations and most likely face a sort of shunning from those I loved most. I had siblings, cousins, and friends that had left. I knew the consequences that I would have to face. And as terrifying as it was, the desire to be free, free to pursue God, overcame the fear. In September, about two months into my deep dive, and before telling our children what we were discovering, we asked God to help us find a community of believers that could help and support our family as we moved forward with this difficult decision. Our four kids were still struggling to make friends after moving to Utah four years before from California. So we really needed to find a community of believers that not only accepted us, but befriended us. Washington Heights came to mind. I thought maybe this was the true purpose of the tour I'd taken many months before. My husband and I attended a service and met Pastor Roy. I cried. I cried a lot. But he spoke peace to us and we decided to meet the other pastors that would be working with our kids. We went home after that first Sunday and finally told the kids what was going on. It was hard. Two of our daughters felt like we had stolen their happily ever after, and they fought the change. We assured them that they could transition and test out the new church. We attended both churches at first, but as our kids began to make friends at Washington Heights, they would share comments like, I feel like I can be myself, and there isn't any pressure to show up. The leaders are just happy that we came. After four or five months, we were no longer attending our previous church, and the kids felt more motivated to seek a personal relationship with Christ. In fact, our sixth grade son was just baptized at the October Baptism Bash and is participating in the Zoni's leadership program. We all love the Sunday services, the community at Washington Heights, and the transformation in our family. I even joined the homeschool small group and the worship team. Finding the right community for our family gave us the reassurance we needed to take the necessary steps to leave our previous church. We knew that God would be with us. And He was bringing with Him an entire community of inspired people in a church that He had been building up for years. Thank you all 
for moving forward in the inspired work of creating, maintaining, and building up God's church at Washington Heights. can argue about a lot of things, but you cannot argue the power of a changed life. And that's still true today, just as it was then. But the religious leaders still aren't happy with how this is all playing out. And so here's Peter and John. There's the guy who used to be lame, but now he's jumping. And so you know what they say? Stop it. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop using that R word, resurrection, and stop telling us that we crucified him. Stop it or else. And so Peter and John walk out that day, and they've been warned. They just spent the night in jail. And now they go back to their gathering. And here's what happens. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they, the whole group, heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So now they're going to pray to God, and they're going to ask God for some things, and they're going to look for God's direction in all of this. Now, before we get to their prayer, let me just invite you to think about the prayers that you pray, the prayers that we pray, the prayers that I pray. What do they often sound like? I made just a brief list, and you can tell me, you know, that I'm off or wrong, um, but I was thinking about this and convicted quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. A lot of times we pray this, don't we? God, would you bless me, protect me, help me, change things for me, change my circumstances? God, would you give us, you know, traveling mercies? You know, we use kind of funky language, you know, to, to talk to God about things. And let me ask you this question. If all of our prayers in recent times were answered, what would be different? And I fear that most of what would be different would be all about me and maybe my people. And when we pray prayers like that, you know what, that's, that's okay. But shouldn't there be times in which when we come to the God of the universe that we would pray about big things because it's a big God and things that are bigger than me, myself and I, and mine? <laughs> you know, we pray about safety and travel. I wonder if sometimes God's reaction to that is, <sighs> why don't you buckle up, you know, drive alertly, and watch out for the other guy. You're 95% of the way there. Why don't you ask me for something big? You know, because you were praying about things that are so much about me. But that's not what they pray for. And I hope this is a challenge to us in this day as followers of the same God. That maybe we would incorporate some other things into our prayers. Keep praying for safety but that we would pray for some bigger things too. Here's how they began their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They try to understand who it is that they're coming to. Oh yeah, you're the God of the universe 
who is in control. That's what sovereignty means, that you are in control. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, and now here is a prediction from a psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 2, a predictive psalm that when the Messiah would come, that there would be some chaos and some unrest, but it is a, a losing battle that anyone is fighting, working against the purposes of God. Yeah, you rage, but God's purpose will prevail. God's purpose will stand. So why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Anointed one is a phrase that could also be translated Messiah. And now they change it to their circumstance. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. So this is not in a galaxy far, far away, and just take my word for it. These are the things that happen right here, and not a long time ago. This is now two months after these events took place. And God's at work here and now. And so to this point in the prayer, they haven't asked anything yet, have they? They're getting there. But first, they know who they're coming to, and they know that it's a God who is bigger than whatever circumstance may be happening around them. They did what your power, these are the, the rulers, and Will had decided beforehand should happen again because you are sovereign. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to, and now they're going to ask for things. There's a commentator who says, you know, up until this point, it's been all good. Everybody has been on their side, but now pushback has come. And when those threats are issued and their leaders had spent a night in jail and they were told, don't do it again, they know for the first time, some of us are going to die for this. And sure enough, that's coming. So what do you pray for in that moment? And I wonder if some of us in this moment, we would have prayed, enable your servants to be safe, to be protected. You know, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me say this before, that a lot of times we pray like a Spice Girl. Like, what? I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> and that's how our prayers go. God, thank you for this day. Now, here's what I want. Let their prayer challenge you. Boy, did it challenge me. Here's what they pray. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever prayed for boldness? Notice it doesn't say weirdness. Right? This is not a prayer to become a jerk for Jesus, you know, and this is not licensed to do that. To speak your word with great boldness. And I, you know, it's part of me that wants to go, hey, time out, guys, in the middle of your prayer. Isn't that what got you into this situation to begin with was boldness? I mean, Peter, you stand up in the middle of the temple courts and you talk about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection and say, by the way, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved. Oh, that still ruffles some feathers today. Peter said it. You have boldness down and you're praying for boldness? Whew. I wonder, wouldn't we be praying for protection, for safety, for keeping our heads down? They pray for boldness. So that's one thing. They prayed for two things. Here's the other thing. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And signs and wonders. You ever prayed for that? And maybe your reaction, especially if you grew up in church kind of your whole life, no, I don't belong to one of those kind of churches, right? There's a signs and wonders thing that sometimes gets a little bit mysterious and a little bit strange at times. But here's why I think that's a struggle for us. Because what we often do when we pray for that, especially as followers of Jesus, it happens inside the church, but they're not praying for that, are they? They're praying that God would stretch out his hand and perform signs and wonders in the community to which their movement is going. And God, would you show up in such ways that the people around us would see that it is legitimate when we claim who you are. And when we talk about your life and your death and your resurrection, how forgiveness is found in you and how it is about a relationship with the God of the universe who is in control and offers us life that people would say, yeah, you know what, that message is true. Jesus performed a number of miracles when he was here in this world. And especially in the Gospel of John, those miracles are often referred to as signs. What do signs do? They point in a direction, don't they? The miracle was never about the miracle. The miracle was proof of legitimacy, that Jesus is who he claims to be. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son in the flesh who has come to our rescue. That's what signs do. And they're praying for those kind of signs to show up in their community so more people would know and understand who Jesus is. When was the last time we prayed, God, would you show up in my work, in my community, in my school, um, wherever I go? And God, would you show up in a way that it would be unmistakable for the people there to know that you are legitimate, that you are real? And the hope is found in you. And I don't know about you, sometimes, you know, I think about, man, there are some people that I care about and they quote these French philosophers and I don't even know what half of that means. Or then they quote these British scientists who are really smart and I don't really know what half of that means. But God, would you just show up in a real way so that they could see that you are real and the hope is found in you. And so here they are knowing that pushback has come. And the future is not going to be all roses and unicorns. There's going to be some trouble. And what do they pray for? Speak your word boldly. And God, stretch out your hand. Show some signs of who you are. So that people would know that you are legit. And then it says this, And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And I don't know exactly what that means, you know, but there are times in the Bible that when God's presence comes down, there's like earthquakes. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What do you know? God answered that prayer. And all the believers were one in heart and mind, the sense of unity about something bigger than all of them. Everyone is invited, and it includes you, but it's bigger than you. It's about the movement of God. And then something amazing happens. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Oh, so they formed a communist commune? That's not what that is. That's when you are forced to do something, hand over your stuff, and it gets redistributed. This is voluntary generosity, where I see a need and I meet it. 
because there's something bigger happening than just me. And is it a coincidence that there is great generosity on the other side of boldness? And I don't think so. Because when there is boldness and then the generosity ensues, could it be that one of the greatest hindrances to generosity in our own lives is not selfishness, it's not stinginess, it's not greediness, but maybe it's fear. And boy, that would be an important question for us to entertain because one man's opinion, we live at a time where just as a nation, anxiety is just ruling the day and is beneath the surface of so much of what happens in our day. And what if in the middle of a time like that, people who knew the sovereign Lord would pray for boldness because that might unleash all kinds of opportunities in the lives of people like that. And so where do we go from here then? What takes us forward and how do we know God's direction for us? Let me give you some ideas that came out of the story that we've talked about already. Know that the Jesus movement advances one life at a time. The story begins with one man whose life is transformed by the grace and the power of God. It's one heart, one life at a time. Could well be somebody who's a part of your life. Pray bold prayers of God's power and our opportunities. Yeah, we can pray about ourselves. That's fine. But knowing that we're coming to the God of the universe, let's pray about something bigger than that as well. God, stretch out your hand and enable your servants. Seek and promote unity. Yep, we're included. We're invited. But there's a bigger purpose for our gathering. And it is the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. It is his movement. And then fuel generosity that helps others. And they gave and they met needs. So let me ask you this question. What will our story be? When all is said and done and everything has been written, what will our story be? And here's the kind of stories that, you know, at the end of our days, and we're sitting on a rocking chair somewhere, you know, kind of recounting our days. Here's the stories that I believe we do not want to tell. You know what? We played it safe. By golly, we kept our heads down, and we stayed out of trouble. You know what kind of stories I think we do want to tell? We believed a big God for some big things. And there are some things that we thought God was calling us to do, and we went for it. And we asked God to stretch out his hand, and he did. That's not about us, it's about him. But God showed up. And those are the kind of stories we tell. What will my story be? I believe we're in a season right now that helps us tell those kind of stories. And if you weren't here last week, I want to let you know about this booklet. It's available today again and will be for the next couple of weeks. It's available on racks as you head out of here. It details all the different events of Love Gives that are going to go week by week. And it also talks about our expansion project and what that can look like. And here's what I want to just kind of throw out to you. Is, yeah, it's a bit of a teaser. Next week, we're going to ask you to commit to that. And next week, as a part of the message, we're going to do something we have never done before. 
And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I would invite you to be here next week for that. But get a hold of this. And I asked you last week to pray. And this week I'm going to ask you to pray again. But this week I'm going to be a little bit more specific. Would you pray for boldness for you individually, for us as Washington Heights? Would you pray for God to stretch out his hand and to do signs and wonders that point in his direction that he is legit, that he is the one that all of this is about? And even as we talk about an expansion, it's not about a building. It is about people that matter so much to God people that have been invited to experience the Sovereign Lord. So I want to do something a little bit different today as we wind this down. Usually at the end of a message, I would pray and then invite you to the meet and greet room. I'm going to invite you to the meet and greet room um, right now, but we're not done yet. So please head there or to the prayer room. But we're going to end today by praying a portion of the prayer that they prayed out loud together. And if this is weird and uncomfortable, I promise it's going to be okay. And you can just move your mouth, you know, you don't have to say anything. And just, but just, you know, kind of participate. If you're in the theater area, do the same thing. If you're on your couch with your cup of coffee, you stand too and you pray along with us um, in this. But would you stand up right now? And let's pray these words out loud and like we mean them. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Thanks for being here. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. <laughs>